0: Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message.
1: You may be seated, and if you would, open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. The title of my message today is The Fight of your life the fight of your life God placed you on earth to fix a problem he saw a need in the earth and he said I'm going to create them and I'm going to send them to meet that need so you've been sent with a purpose you've been sent to complete a mission And if you don't know what that mission is, of course, I would really encourage you to spend some time in prayer asking God to reveal it to you, particularly praying in the Spirit. And God will. He gives wisdom freely, and of course, he's not going to keep from you the plan he has for your life. But there are many of us who already know what that plan is. And we've been pursuing that plan. We've been trying to live the dream God placed in our heart. And we've learned that pursuing your life mission is hard. Am I the only one that could say that? We've learned it's hard, man, that you could find yourself fighting the fight of your life just trying to do what God wants you to do. And that's because you have an enemy who will do anything to stop you. And he does not. Fight fair. So you can be someone who is trying to follow the dream God placed in you and yet facing failure, discouragement, depression, betrayal, sometimes even grief. The enemy may even use your family and your friends against you. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen today. And he'll do all of that to keep you from completing the mission That God has sent you to complete from living the dream that God has placed in your heart. And so you end up in the fight of your life. Which is really the fight to live God's purpose for your life. And I want to share a few things today that I think will encourage those of us who have been in the middle of that fight. And even as a church family. This church has been through that kind of a fight. And so Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You know, in Detroit, if you, we live very close to Canada, meaning you can literally get on a bridge or a tunnel and, and, of course, go from the U.S. to Canada. And, you know, in life, we like to go over the bridge, right? I can still see the sun, the clouds, I can feel the air. But often, we, end up, we find ourselves having to go through the tunnel, you know, my wife doesn't like tunnels. I know other people that don't like tunnels, especially when they're underwater. Anybody else like that? You know, it's like, you know, can we not do the tunnel thing? Can we? I don't like tunnels in life. You know, but they, they, you find yourself there sometimes. I mean, what does the psalmist say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, how did I end up in the valley following the shepherd? Right? Isn't that what the psalm said? Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So he leads me, he leads me, he leads me, he leads me. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the woe. I'm following the shepherd. How on earth am I sitting in the valley of the shadow of death? And it's not that God is the one that causes bad things to you. It's that that sometimes to get where God wants you to get to, you gotta go through the enemy. It's like in the game of football, you know, if you give the ball to the running back, well, you know, he's gotta go through the defense to get to the end zone. And sometimes that's where you find yourself in life, having to go through the tunnel to get to the place God has for you. But I want you to notice that the key word there is through. You're not staying there forever. You're coming out. Turn to him and tell them I'm coming out. Turn to somebody else. Tell them I'm coming out. Find one more person. Tell them with a little attitude. I'm coming out. Yeah, you're coming out of the tunnel, and I'm here to tell you, really, that I believe that you are out. I believe we're in a new season. I believe we're in a new day. So let me try again to read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. To everything, there is a, what's that word there? To everything. I just want you to get that. Everything you can think of, there is a season. The New Living Translation says, for every activity. There is a season. The Amplified Bible says there is a season, a time appointed for everything. And it says here, a time, that word time, the Hebrew word, of course, the Old Testament is translated from the Hebrew. So the Hebrew word there for time is now. A now to every purpose under the heavens. So there's a season for everything, and there is a now for everything. He goes on to talk about some nows, a now to be born and a now to die. That's what that word time means, right? A now to plant and a now to pluck up that which is planted. A now to kill, and not just because somebody made you mad. And a now to heal. A now to break down, a now to build up, a now to weep. And to laugh, to mourn, and to dance, to cast away stones, and to gather stones together, to embrace. Well, that's for married folk. To refrain from embracing. That's for single folk. And, and now to get, and a time now to lose, and now to keep, and a t- now to cast away, and now to rend, and now to sow, to keep silence, to speak, to love, to hate, to a war, and of peace. To everything there is a season, and a now to every purpose under heaven. Go to Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8 verse 22. It reads, while the earth remaineth, and of course we just saw that in Ecclesiastes, under the heaven. Well, he's talking about the same thing. While the earth remaineth, Seed time and harvest, or harvest time, right? And cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. What's he talking about here? Seasons. Right? There's a season called seed time usually the fall, actually, if I remember correctly. And then there's harvest time in the spring. There is a time of cold. That's winter for them usually. I know y'all complaining about this, but in Michigan it was snowing this week. In April. That's the devil. <laughs> My goodness. There's a season for cold. It's called winter, a season for summer, right? That's how the world works. There's a season for everything. And then there's a now, often within that season. I remember when my wife, of course, uh, first was pregnant with my daughter. And I remember the first time very vividly, obviously, of course. And some of you might remember that around that time. And I remember getting to that last month and really the last few weeks, you know, she couldn't hiccup without me jumping. Like, oh, but like, what baby? What's up? Nothing, baby. I just you know. And why? We were in the season. And but the baby decided that she wasn't coming until it was four days after her due date. On that fourth day, that was the now. Do you see? To everything, there is a season. This is the time frame when this should happen, and then there is a now when this is it. Right? And and that's not just true. When it comes to natural things, that's true when it comes to spiritual things. Go to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Many of us know this story. This is with Jesus turning water into wine. And so he was in verse 2 says he was called or invited and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. What's he saying here? My hour, my seasons, one way that word is translated, hasn't come yet. What The season where he would actually enter into the ministry. Well, you know, Jesus wasn't looking at the sun and and he wasn't looking at the earth. He wasn't looking at a watch. and, And when he was talking about time, he was checking in his spirit. He understood that there is a spiritual clock. That God looks at, that there are spiritual seasons. Go to John 17. Verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour, the hour is come glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee the hour for what the hour for him now to be crucified for him to die for our sins and rise again well that was a different season in his ministry right he had a season where he was going about preaching and teaching and healing that's really what he was talking about in John chapter 2 but now that season is over and now he's entering another season where he's now going to be our substitute or he is now going to pay the price For our sins. Well, once again, notice that he's not talking about something that you can, you know, tell by looking at your watch or by looking at the calendar. He's talking about a spiritual season because God does things in seasons, including spiritual things. One more Galatians chapter six. God does spiritual things in seasons. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. This is talking about giving, of course, encouraging believers to give. And verse 9 says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. In other words, you don't get tired of of offering time. Don't get tired of giving. You don't quit on it. Why shouldn't I? Well, here's one reason. For in due season, we shall reap. Anybody glad you got our due season coming? Yeah, there's a season in your life for every seed you have sown. There is a harvest time for every seed you've sown to the kingdom of God. And and, and so here you see it again, that there are spiritual seasons. All right, now go to Acts chapter 13. Somebody say, it's a new season. I'm going somewhere with this, so hang in here with me. Acts 13, verse 1. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. I look at this as a men's faith group right here. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, who said this? The Holy Ghost said it, probably through one of those prophets. So they're just together praising God, worshiping God, praying. And the Holy Ghost speaks up and says, separate me or separate for me, as one translation says. Barnabas and Saul, here's a ministry team, for the work whereunto I have called them. Now what's very interesting here is that God doesn't spell out what that work is because they already knew. But they hadn't been doing it yet. If you were to back up to chapter eleven, you would find out that Paul and Barnabas had been ministering at the church of Antioch for a year. They had been just being—they had been ministers, probably kind of on staff at that church. Really helped establish it, ministered to those people, built those people up. That was the season that they were in. But now the Holy Ghost said it's time for a new season. He says, now I want you to separate those two. They're going to leave because I want them to do the work I've called them to do. And, of course, if you read the rest of the book of Acts, you know that work was to go and preach to the Gentiles. It was to start churches. It was eventually for Paul to go before kings. But But what God was signaling here was the start of a new season. Of course, verse 3 said they fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them and they sent them away. And so they being sent forth once again by the Holy Ghost. You see here that they had one season spiritually for their ministry, but God was now bringing them into a different season for their ministry. We know, of course, with Israel, we see this same thing. In fact, you could just start with Moses. The first 40 years of his life, he was really being trained on how to be a leader. Being in Pharaoh's household. Then he spent 40 years in the desert, part of that being a shepherd. That also was good training for leadership. Then he went to the last 40 years of his life where he actually led Israel out of Egypt and all the way up to the top of the promised land. You know, but these were seasons. Of course, Israel themselves, Psalm 66 says, you know, we went through, in fact, go to Psalm 66. I'll take you there. You know, one of the things about change, one of the things about going into a new season is you can't have change and comfort simultaneously. They don't go together. You know, we don't usually like change. We get excited about where we're going, but we don't like the process of getting there. I was just talking to someone, and and they were talking about moving into a new house. We're excited about the new house, but I don't feel like moving all them boxes. I know moving a church. I you're excited about your church, but... You know, they're like, hey, we need a little help. And yeah, I got, I got something to do. You know, you don't want, you know, that's how it works. But I'm sorry, you can't have change and comfort simultaneously. No, that's just for somebody. Psalm sixty-six, twelve 12 says, thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. What are you talking about? They were dominated by others. That's part, you know, that happened when they were in Egypt, for example. They were slaves. We went through fire and through water. Anybody been through some fire? In your life. Of course, for them, they literally went through the Red Sea and they spent uh, 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 40 years in the wilderness. But thou brought us out into a wealthy place. God brought them out into. See, God's not just interested in bringing you out. He's interested in bringing you out into something. He don't want you to say, "Who I survived this. He wants you to say, I survived it and look what lo- the Lord has done. Look at how good things are. And of course, you can see that in Israel's life, they often went through different seasons, some of them longer than they should have been. But God did things in seasons. All right, now Psalm 126. All of that to get right here. Somebody say it's a new season. season. Psalm 126. I'm saying, where are you going with this, Pastor? You're about to find out. Verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. What's he talking about? Well, they clearly had a moment where God stepped in and supernaturally turned things around. They had a turning point. There are moments that are turning points. Moments where God finally and suddenly changes things for the better and that's what they experience here God turned things around and when God did that they said man we were like them that dream it was like it was too good to be true I got to be dreaming somebody pinched me come on this can't be real they said then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Come on, you ever have that moment where you're so happy, you're just laughing. People looking at you like, what's wrong with them? And you don't care, you're just laughing. You're walking around singing. You may not be able to sing at all, but you don't care. You're just singing because this is so good. I don't even know how to contain how I feel, so I'm not even going to try because God's been so good to me. Come on, there are moments like this in life. There are turning points in life. There are moments where you look up and God has done what he said he was going to do. Come on, you're sitting in one of those moments right now. It didn't look like this was gonna happen, but here you are sitting on Trainmore Point Parkway saying God did what he said he's going to do. That's how God works. He is faithful. One of my favorite scriptures in Proverbs 13, it says, When desire cometh, it is a tree of life. I love that scripture because that means desire comes. It says when a desire is accomplished, it's sweet to the soul. That means the desire is accomplished. That means that God is not going to have you on this journey forever. It may look like what you're believing God for will never happen, but I'm here to tell you desire cometh. I'm here to tell you desire is going to be accomplished. I'm here to tell you you will have the desires of your heart. But I'm not just talking about something that's going to happen one day. You know, at the top of this year, the Lord spoke to a number of individuals about 2018. And I love what the Bible says, you know, how God does nothing in the earth without first revealing it to his prophets. And that if you believe his prophets, you will prosper. And, you know, Bishop was one of the individuals that ministered along these lines. And I ended up taking notes and pulled out some of my notes from New Year's Eve. And these are the things that the Holy Spirit said. That this year there will be a move of God where the fire of the Holy Ghost would fall. Oh, you didn't hear what I just said. A year where the fire of the Holy Ghost will fall. A year of restoration. A year of healing and miracles. A year of debt cancellation. A year of financial increase and blessing. A year where whatever is dead in your life will be raised from the dead. What's the Holy Ghost saying? It's your new season. It's your turning point. It's your time. Your success, your desire coming is here right now. Now listen, you better grab a hold of that because that's what the Lord is telling you right now through what he said through people of God before and even what he's having me minister to you today. It is now time for you to step into everything God has for you. It's now time for you to experience what God promised you. It's now time for you to enjoy the amazing amazing future it has for you, it's a new season, it's a new season, it's a new season. I think sometimes we forgot what promised land life looks like. Come on, go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Somebody say, it's a new season. Say, it's a new season. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Everything you've gone through will be worth it because of what's coming in this new season. I'm gonna say that again. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen this morning. I said everything you've gone through will be worth it because of what's coming in this new season. You're about to sing and to laugh because of what God's done for you. I, I didn't read it in Psalm 126, but it said that they said, the Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. That's about to be your testimony. You're going to sit here on December 31st and look back at 2018 and say the Lord have done great things for us. That's why we are so glad. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7. Grab this for yourself. I know you're not stepping into a promised land literally, but recognize that this this really gives an idea of the kind of life God is bringing you into now. The Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. A land of brooks of water. You were believing God for some water. Now you're about to have brooks of water. Come on now. Of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive oil and honey. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. He's not talking about living from paycheck to paycheck anymore. Come on now, a land that thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, I like that. Eaten and ha- and are full. See, listen. I believe there's some single folk in here that by the end of the year you're gonna be real happy with the person God brought into your life. You're gonna say, "Desire coming." Yes, God is faithful. Then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he shall give you. Verse 12. Less when thou hast eaten our our full and hast built goodly houses. That means fine houses. Yeah. And dwelt therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks. What's that word there? Multiply. And thy silver and thy gold is what? Multiply. And all that thou hast is what? Is, listen, look at, look at this promised land living here. Look at this promised land living no lack no scarceness eating and being full God multiplying everything you have I won't take it there but you know Deuteronomy 6 he talked about them living in houses they didn't build eating the things they didn't plant in Deuteronomy 28 he says, "You're the hail' hey, be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. You're not borrowing from the bank anymore. you're now the lender. you are not the least anymore. You are set above all nations of the earth. You're more blessed than the people around you. That's promised land living, and I believe that you are in a new season that you are stepped into your promised land. <laughs> that you've done that individually and we're doing that collectively we're in that season that's why the fight was so hard that's why it was so tough that's why you went through some of the things you went through because the last thing satan wanted was you to sit here on april 8th in 2018 and say i made it god brought me out i'm wiser i'm stronger i'm better I'm sitting in the promised land God has for me, and man, look what God is already doing. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing God do some things in my life right now that I have believed for for a decade. I'm talking about the kind of stuff where you would say there's no way that God could ever restore that. There's no way that God could ever fix that. And I'm, I'm sitting back and going, man, God, I had no idea that this was sitting here all this time all this time I was believing for you believing this and and let's be honest complaining (laughs) getting mad crying all this time, you had just laid up on the side, just waiting for when I got into my promised land, and as soon as I stepped in my promised land, you revealed it to me and said, there's your restoration, and one fell swoop. Man, I'm telling you, I wish I could tell you what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, I'm seeing God do great things in my life, and I know He restores. I know He provides. I know He is faithful, and I believe if He's doing it for me, He will do it for you if you just believe God for that and open your eyes and look around and have an expectation. Come on, now you got to be like a pregnant lady who's ready to have a baby any moment. You go, hey, is that it? Come on now, and you got to you got to have that in your life. It's your time right now. See, now that you're in your promised land. There is a way you've got to act. If you're going to be in a new season, you probably need to be a new you. Come on, there's some stuff you're going to have to leave behind. There's some habits you're going to have to let go of. There's some unforgiveness you're going to have to get rid of. Let me show you a couple of things you need to do. Go to Isaiah 43. Somebody say, it's a new season. Oh, we're on, on some new turf. God's about to do some new things. And it's the way God works. When he opens one door, there's often many doors after that one door. You look up and, and you see new opportunities, greater opportunities. This is a season of opportunities. So you ought to expect that. I, that's not on my notes. It's just what the Lord's saying to me in my heart to share with you. You ought to expect Opportunities. You really ought to be on the lookout for opportunities. Well, we often think about it. Let's just say, for example, when it comes to money, and this applies to more than money, what I'm talking about. But, you know, we think about, I need money. So we're looking for cash when God gives you an opportunity. You ever notice, I love something I think Bishop Jake said once. He said, you ever notice God's not creating desks? You know he's not dropping desk out of heaven what did he give you a tree oh you're not hearing me. he gave you a tree he gave you imagination he gave you a spirit so God can show you what that tree could become he gave you a hand so that you can go to work and when you did that whoo look at this desk he works with you not just for you and part of our problem is some of us are waiting for God to do stuff for us when he's saying I gave you a tree Look for opportunities, because they are there. All right, so here's a couple things you need to do in this new season. Anybody believe it's a new season? Anybody accept that word? Amen. Yeah, you know, believe as prophets, so will you prosper. Number one, learn from the past, but don't live in it. Learn from the past, but don't live in it. Look what God says in Isaiah 43, and this is really interesting. Verse 16, he says, Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinct, they are quenched as tow. Now, don't forget what he's talking about here this is him talking about parting the red sea now many of us have heard that story so many times that we actually have lost the significance of it we we don't we, we don't realize how great a miracle that is for god to take a sea i mean we got some lakes around here you imagine just a lake And God just having the water just stand up on one side and stand up on the other and keep it there until you get done walking through. And then when your enemy tries to follow you, crash it on them. That's what he did with the Red Sea. And then after that, he says in verse 18, remember ye not the former things. What? Shouldn't I? I should have a Red Sea painting in my house. I should have Red Sea on my watch. Red Sea wallet. I mean, I should keep that in front of me all remember ye not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. Well, why on earth would I not even think about what you did for me before? Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Listen, listen. (laughs) Now. oh my goodness now it shall spring forth. now and listen it's so good that it's gonna make you forget about what I did before you thought I did something when I parted the Red Sea what I'm about to do is gonna put that to shame come on y'all listen God is about to make your future so big that your yesterdays will disappear But you do have to do what he said here. You've got to make a decision to learn from the past, but not live in the past. Paul said it this way, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press. You can't press for the mark if you're still thinking about living in the past. And it, there's, there's uh, you know, when you're driving, you notice that, The windshield is much larger than the rearview mirror. Why? Because you should, for the most part, be looking forward. There is a place for looking back for a moment. But if you spend all your time looking back. And that's how people live life. And they become prisoners of their past. And it robs them of their future. So one of the things you got to do is you got to learn to forgive everybody for what they did to you in this last season. I mentioned how Satan will use people against you, sometimes even family and friends. And you must, for your sake, forgive everybody. And that includes forgiving yourself. Because a lot of times when we go through rough seasons, we find out we're not all we thought we were. <laughs> Am I the only one? Yeah. I found out some things about myself. I, I, you know, the last 10 years really been rough for me. And I found out some things about myself. And there were days I looked in the mirror. I'm going to be real honest with you. I said, I hate you, man. I'm being real honest. I don't think I've ever shared that publicly. There are days I literally looked in the mirror and said, I cannot stand your guts. I can get away from everybody, but I can't get away from you. I'm just being real. Am I the only one that ever felt like that? There are days, I, and the Lord had to correct me. He had to correct me. No, that's not how I see you. You shouldn't see yourself that way. But well, part of it was having to forgive myself. Because there are things I knew better than. And I found myself doing. And I'm like, man, come on. And yet you've got to realize that if God has forgiven you, Who are you not to forgive yourself? You got to move on. Thank God for the blood. If you're cleansed, you're clean. And live clean. Sometimes, though, the greatest enemy to future success is past success. Sometimes you're so busy living in the past, you see church people do this. Only this song from this age is anointed. It can't be anointed if it wasn't from 1975 (laughs) with this type of chord and this type of sound. Any of that new stuff, that can't be anointed. Only And church can't be anointed unless we do it this way like we used to, because the glory fell so hard on that day. The same thing Israel did. You know how uh, God used an FR with Gideon, get a great miracle, and then they took that and they hung it up and began to worship that. It wasn't the F.I. It was the God who used the F.I. It's not the song. It's the God who gave the song. It's not, you know. And you see the same thing in business. Toys R Us just went out of business. That's crazy. It's nuts. You ever imagine that? Could anybody ever have told you Toys R Us would go out of business? We all. I I don't. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. We know the song. We know the commercial. They were on top of the world. I remember, of course, when Blockbuster Video was the place. Y'all remember Blockbuster? Some of the young folks are at to be like, what in the world is a Blockbuster? What you talking about? I know. I know. Now I'm officially old. I get it. So, But there used to be you wanted to watch a movie. You go to Blockbuster. Blockbuster. on the, And the way the story goes is that somebody in Blockbuster pitched the idea of Offering their services online. And they said, ah, we don't need that. So they didn't do it. So Netflix came. And Netflix did it and put them out of business. You got to be very careful to not get so caught up in your past success that you miss out on a new thing God wants to do going forward. Whatever way you look at it, you must learn from the past, but don't live in the past. Number two, 2 Samuel chapter 5. Like something David Winston said. He said, you can't move forward looking at what's behind you. Likewise, you can't become who you are called to be thinking about who you used to be. Number two. Be ready for a new attack. Be ready for a new attack. Here in 2 Samuel chapter 5, we see David in his promised land. We know he went through a bunch. He was a teenager. He was anointed king. Things started off real well, but they didn't stay that way. The king is trying to murder him. He's running for his life. He's lost his wife. His wife's given away. He lives in the wilderness. He lives with the Philistines. I mean, he had to have many moments where he's like, man, God, what in the world is going on? But finally, at the age of 30, he becomes king. And even then he has a bit of a battle for a while. And at 37, he becomes king of all of Israel. What God promised him has come to pass. This little shepherd boy, the young, youngest in his family, is the king of Israel. Man, wow, look what God has done, right? And then we get verse 17. But when the Philistines heard, they, they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to seek David. Well, that, the King James does not do a great, a great job of explaining this. So the message translation says it this way. They came on the hunt for him. They came to attack him. They heard he was a new king. And they said, we're going to take him out right now. You know, what was it? The Black Panther movie that was so big last month. And that was one of the things that came up is that people like to attack during leadership transitions. Get them before they get too established. That's exactly what was happening here. So David goes to God because that's what you do. Just because you're sitting in this place, you got this position, doesn't mean you don't need God anymore. Keep the lessons that you learned before. You you got through it by walking with God. Now you got to reign by walking with God. He says to God, what, should I go ahead and fight them? God says, yeah. He goes in there. I love the message translation. It says David smashed them to pieces. And God exploded on his enemies like a gush of water. They came back. He went back to God again. Didn't just assume that the way God did it before is how God wants to do it now. That's the problem we have sometimes. We expect, you know, God fed me from a brook and, and ravens. And, and the brook dries up, but we still want God to feed me from a brook. And God's saying, I got somebody over here in Zarephath to take care of you. Switch. I don't know why I'm going to mention this, but I think one of the problems that we have in the body of Christ is we expect the next generation to wear the previous generation's armor. Like, I don't expect Kara to be me. I would be upset if he tried to be me. Remember when David had to face Goliath? He tried to put on Saul's armor. He couldn't do it. I'm not testing on this. I, what I've been doing is I've been working on my slingshot skills. Now, I, now God can get it done through the armor with you, but God's going to get it done through the slingshot with me. The goal isn't how. It's what. It's who. Anyway, David seeks God. Y'all easy to preach to. I forgot. I'm trying to stay within my time frame, and I'm like, oh, what's going place. I better, I better stop because the next group will be walking in here like what's going on so God speaks to him and, and he has victory in Acts 13 I won't take it there for time's sake but you know we talked about how Paul was sent and Barnabas to go preach and the, it seems like the very first place that we read about they're going to go preach to this man in authority and there is a sorcerer there you know kind of like Miss Cleo you anybody remember Miss Cleo She passed away, and I hope somebody got her saved before she passed away. She'd be on TV all the time. She was a psychic. Here here you got the male, Miss Cleo. He's going to stand in the way. No, you're not coming to preach to him. Yeah, because what? The devil does not want people in authority to get saved because they have influence. So Paul looks at him and says, you child of the devil. Don't you wish God would let you call some people a child of the devil? Jesus called folk hypocrites like, God, when can I hear that word of the Lord? Can I get, I want to. He says, you child of the devil. He says, you think," he said, you're going to go blind for a season. And the man struck blind right there. He looked just like that. And the man that they came to preach to, he didn't even have to hear a message. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you're about to say, I already know it's real. <laughs> and that's what's going to happen with you. Satan should have took you out before this. He should have already taken you out. He didn't do it. And now he's coming against you. He is about to be crushed under your feet, glory to God, you're gonna smash him to pieces. Because now you're a giant killer. Now you're a mountain mover. Now you're somebody that knows how to be used by God and to do great things for God. Now you know how to walk on the water. So a new attack is coming. But remember that when it comes, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. And remember that it is vitally important to stay full of the Holy Ghost. Having a daily prayer life so you can be led by the Holy Ghost like Saul was, excuse me, David was, and like Paul was. Because the Holy Ghost is the one that's going to tell you, this is what you do, this is what you say. All right. Number three, Philippians chapter three. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I don't know how long I've been preaching, so I better. Number three, you got to keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the prize. One of the things that happens when you get in a new season, sometimes you can get full of yourself, and really the next point gets to points to that too, and, or you can get distracted. You're so blessed; things are so good that you forget why you're here. So in Philippians three fourteen, Paul said, "I press toward the mark." For the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. He'd already accomplished a lot. He was already something. God using the right two-thirds of the New Testament. He said, I'm still pressing. I want to reach the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In the state of Michigan, we just, you know, I actually went to Michigan. So we just watched the Michigan basketball team make it all the way to the championship. They weren't even supposed to be in anywhere close to it. So we loved it. But one of the things that happened was they had one game where they had a game-winning shot. It was nuts. It was crazy. Everybody celebrated. But, you know, the tournament wasn't over. You celebrate for a day, and then you got to prepare because you got another game. And the same thing is true in life. You can't celebrate too much. You know, you can't miss miss out on the ultimate prize. And what's the ultimate prize for us? You are here to help God build his kingdom. You are here to please God. As well as enjoy your life. In fact, really, the order is please God, build the kingdom, and enjoy your life. That's the right order. So my goal is to please him. That's what I live for. My goal is to help him save as many people as possible. To make disciples that make disciples. And 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 then I and then so you gotta stay focused on why God put you in the family you're in, and the job you're in, and the church you're in. You can't get so caught up in all the other perks that you miss out. Why is that important? Remember what happened to David? He is king. He's a great military leader. Time comes to go to war and David decides to stay home. That's not what he's called to do. His men are on the battlefield and he's home, hanging out at the palace enjoying being king. One night he gets up, he's walking on the roof of the palace and he sees this woman taking a bath and uh-oh is right. <laughs> we know the rest of the story. All of a sudden, you know, lust gets a hold of him. Hazard brought to his house. Not that he don't have wives and concubines. There are certain things God allowed them to do for a season while they kept progressing to where he wanted them to be. He had wives. He had concubines. I mean, if you, if you, really, that, you, know, you really you need some, go, go find your wife. But the real problem was that he was even there because that don't happen on a battlefield. He lost his focus ended up costing him a lot. He had the death of a child. He had two sons betray him. He had sons get killed. All that stuff happened because he stopped focusing on the why. Remember to keep your eye on the prize. God put you there. Because you are a soldier in his army, you're to help build his kingdom. Keep focused on that. Then last one, number four, in John chapter 5, I'll take you there for a moment. Somebody say, it's a new season. season. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. Verse 19, it says, then answered Jesus and said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he see the Father do. What's Jesus saying? I can't do anything without God. I can't do anything without my Father. And you find elsewhere in Scripture, him saying this, Paul saying this, you heard the song that you all sang just a few minutes ago, and everybody kept saying, to God be the glory. I want God glorified in me. God is the one that did this. God is the one that blessed me. God is the one that was merciful to me. God is the one that opened this door. God is the one that brought about this success. When God gives you success, handle that success in a godly way. Because without him, you can do nothing. You might say, yeah, I work hard. Who gave you the brain? To even think. Who gave you the hands? Who, who did any of that? He did. It's not that God, God will. When you give him honor, he'll have men honor you. He's not going to ignore what you've done. But what's important is that you know it's because of him. Always give God the glory. I'll end with this. I remember a picture I saw online. I never forgot it. And it was Will Smith and his wife, Jada. I don't know what what movie premiere they were going to or if it was the Oscars or what. But, uh, you know, usually obviously there's the paparazzi out there. There are people there taking pictures and videos and all that stuff. So Will walks with Jada and then he leaves her right here and he goes in the side and he goes like this. Anybody seen that picture? And Jada just posed this. And I'm like, that is how you do it. That man, his wife is, is happy with him. He's going to be happy tonight. He's like, I don't want none of y'all. Now, he's a big movie star. He's like, I don't want none of that glory on me. Look at this woman. I want y'all, I want y'all to watch her shine. And just drew all the attention to her. That's really what we ought to do with God. Well, look what God did here and what God. To God be the glory. Always give God the glory. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Jeremiah twenty nine 11. It is my favorite scripture. God says, I know what I'm doing. Have it all worked out. I have plans to, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you the future that you long for. This is our time, this is our season to walk in the future God has for us. Enjoy it, take advantage of it, and let's help God save the world.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.